We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to the Budding Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. And Johnny, for the first time in a couple weeks, it finally feels like we have a slow news day. So how are you doing? You relaxed? How are you doing? Uh, not quite relaxed because on my way home from work, I ran into a couple of train wrecks. And then I saw the AAF. <laughs> yep. And I remember we had a discussion on here, I believe, about how the AAF beat the NBA in ratings after the first week. And everyone was like, oh, my God, here they come. Like, football's the best. The NBA can't compete. Well, clearly, uh, the NBA is fine heading into the playoffs, and the AAF folded today. I I really do not understand how you fold in the middle of the season like did you not have the money set aside in case things didn't go well? Like, what did you expect to happen that you fold before the season even ends? Yeah, that that's a whole, it's a whole new kind of incompetency there. I just, 
I mean, I, I understand kind of the tactic around it, but um, yeah, that's kind of a it's kind of a dick move by the by the league owner. But uh, uh, kind of going off topic there, but it was just something uh, something that just amazed me today. I'm just like, wow, uh, the the dream kind of ended before it even really began. <laughs> oh, it's definitely relevant. I mean, there's a lot of former Rams in the league. Mike Marks, Luis Perez, guys like that. But I really like leagues fold all the time. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I expected the AAF to last for multiple years. I would have been shocked if it shut down after the season. But I'm shocked that it shut down during this season. Like, that's insane. <laughs> what, what did you do with all your money? Uh, actually, kind of a fun fact. Do you know who is actually the leader in uh, passing yards in the AF, it, it's Perez, right? No, it is a former Ram, though. Oh no, uh, who is it? Garrett Gilbert. Wow, <laughs> I forgot he was a former Ram. Yeah, for I, like a, a brief moment, he was a Ram. Yeah, I Garrett Gilbert, man, what a what a career! He literally started in a championship game as a well, he didn't start, but he played. For Texas in the national championship as a freshman, transferred colleges, went to the NFL, kinda. Now he's playing in a defunct football league. But all right, that's enough AF talk. We have more relevant topics to talk about, I guess. Um, but it is early April, and we had a draft preview last week. We'll talk a little draft tonight, but we got some other stuff on the diet. Before we get to all that, let's go ahead and, you know, guys, we say it every week. If you haven't given us a five star review on wherever you're getting your podcast, Please do. Please subscribe wherever. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, Radio Public, Spotify. And don't forget to check out our podcast feed on the Clutch Points app and check out our other shows on the feed, Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Paula, usually host, co-hosted with Michael Stewart, former Rams Safety, and Josh Kolak as of late. And, of course, Rams Uncensored, our other show on the network, which uh, it's a doozy, guys. I'm not going to lie to you, but definitely check it out. If you want a different perspective on the Rams. Um, all right, Johnny, let's get into this. The big news out of the day is CJ Anderson is heading to the Detroit Lions on a one-year deal. The Lions finally got their Rams backup running back that they so desperately coveted after offering Malcolm Brown an offer sheet uh, as a restricted free agent. But how do you feel about this move for CJ? And how do you feel about CJ? You know, I, I think that this was probably going to be the best bet for him. And I think even in CJ's mind, he was hoping for a better offer. But the reality is that CJ is kind of an older veteran. And, yeah, he did kind of show um, some flashes of, flashes of brilliance, you know, the past couple of games with the Rams. But I don't think there was just a team out there that was willing to kind of kind of devote the team, uh, or at least the starting ground game, for C.J. Anderson. And so for Detroit, it makes a little more sense than Malcolm Brown because at least with C.J. Anderson, I can actually see this guy um, being their number one starter. I, I imagine they're going to still try and do running back by committee, but... Um, I could see this guy, you know, being that the, you know, the premier starter on this team, and you know, of course, you know, switching off with with Johnson, Kerryon Johnson as well. 
they're they have a weird complete lack of commitment to carry on johnson for whatever reason maybe they don't believe in his health maybe they don't believe in him as a player i, I thought carry on was pretty good when he was out there last year i'm sure fantasy owners in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues are not thrilled about this but i think i'm with you i for whatever reason they like to get more running backs involved and i think cj will be a valuable addition to this backfield um i i think he's heading there with the idea that he's going to get a good amount of touches i i haven't been able to find a number on the deal for this contract um i'll I'll keep looking as we go here but it's good for him if they're going to give him the opportunities man he he was here for a very short amount of time but we love i i think i speak for everyone we loved having this guy he was very easy to fall in love with he came in it didn't look like he was really in playing shape, but it didn't matter. He had multiple 100-yard games during the regular season and then another in the playoffs. Uh, really came back, at, gave us the Rams something they needed when Todd Gurley went out. He was exactly what we needed, and they even coexisted for a little bit in the playoffs. Things got a little weird near the end of the playoffs and in the Super Bowl with the C.J. Gurley dynamic, but this guy was just awesome to watch. He, you could tell he, he had a big chip on his shoulder, and he played like it. And he executed when he was out there. And, man, uh, I he was only here for a short time. But, man, he'll, he'll always have a special place in my heart. He It was an awesome experience watching him run. And I hope he produces this year and gets a little bit of money to, you know, that he, the money that he's earned. But, unfortunately, he, as ridiculous as it sounds to say about NFL running backs, he's on the wrong side at 20. And I don't really know what long-term money is going to be out there for him but i hope he i hope he has a payday in his future man cj was awesome to have here uh, so kind of switching notes here you know cj anderson did feel a little uh betrayed of sorts you know when the rams didn't really offer him much and i don't know do you think that cj anderson had um was overreacting a little bit i mean I can understand him being a little disappointed, but at the same time, I'm wondering if he if he was kind of evaluating the whole situation with the Rams. Because I, I don't think, at least from my perspective, and I could be wrong, but I don't think it wasn't necessarily that the Rams didn't want him back or if, if they did extend an offer, which it sounds like they did. Um, I, I think it's just what they could afford. In reality, the Rams can't afford much. So... That's what I feel like he shouldn't feel like the Rams were betraying him. But, you know, it's I guess it's hard not to because he did kind of pour his heart out for the Rams in that short amount of time. And he did really help take the Rams to through the playoffs, really. So um, I don't know. Is he overreacting, Steve? I From what I've seen on Twitter from him and every all of his quotes, I think he's more annoyed and feels disrespected as the league as a whole that you know guys are getting paid and no he was really getting no offers Uh, I think he you know from what I've seen I think he understood what was going on with the Rams I think he understood why you know they weren't gonna sit out there and offer him a big sheet you know he actually I'm looking for the tweet but he tweeted something that seemed like a subtweet about the Rams and then the next day he tweeted like a correction and was basically like I mean no disrespect to the Rams I I had a blast playing there. Uh, it was an awesome experience. So I really think he's just bummed that, you know, guys are getting their paydays and he's not getting one. And I think, 
the way he played, he earned he earned the right to to get paid. He earned the right to a contract. I think he was one of the better running backs on the market. You know, he's obviously not Le'Veon Bell, but you put him out there, he's a shoe in to get a couple yards pretty much every play from what I saw. And so I I don't think he holds any hard feelings from the Rams. I'm sure they offered him a um I'm sure they offered him something. I'm sure it wasn't something great, but and I think that's why I went because he knew he wasn't guaranteed touches and you know the money that we had to offer, which wasn't much. He probably didn't want to take that money to just be a, a straight up backup to Todd Gurley. This is what he tweeted. Um, I can't find the original tweet, but he said, "By the way, my disrespect tweets last night had nothing to do with the Rams." Had a long combo with someone I trust, and that's how the combo ended. I think the Rams were a beautiful opportunity. It was very fun. So, no, I don't think he harbors any ill will towards us. I don't think he should. Um, I I think that he was just – he's been frustrated with what's what's out there for him, and there's not really anything out there for him, and it sucks, and it happened to him last year, and it looks like it's happening to him again this year. Hopefully he gets treated in Detroit better than he did in Carolina, but I don't know, man. I don't think he has any ill will towards us, and I think we we definitely harbor nothing but respect towards him and what he brought to us uh, in a time where we desperately needed it. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like you said, I do hope uh, that he does get this, this uh, at least you know a, a longer-term contract than a year-to-year basis. I, I feel like Anderson really has never – gotten that that contract that he truth that he truthfully deserved you know even going back to his denver days which yeah uh, it's kind of amazing when you look at all the teams he's bounced around at and and then you see him in the last few games of the season just dominating it's like how is this guy not making you know the money that he deserves but uh you know it will be a new start for him in detroit and i do see him you know, playing with another chip on his shoulder, showing the league, hey, I'm still, I'm still one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah, honestly, he might be one, might be my favorite player not on the Rams at this point because he earned that. He was awesome here. There's a lot of former Rams around the league that I still harbor a lot of respect and good feelings for. Chris Long, Janoris Jenkins, guys like that, love those dudes. But he's definitely climbed up that ladder, man. And I'm gonna be rooting for him hard. And uh, this until. I, I think that Dominican Sue is the only player from last year's team floating around out there. And Lesney said there's virtually no way that they're going to be able to bring back Sue, which I think we all expected given the money. I just – where do you where do you think he ends up? There's been no news. He's He might be the biggest free agent out there that isn't signed yet. I think what a lot of teams are afraid of is uh, kind of going in the same situation – with the Rams last year, you know, the Rams, although he did, he didn't, you know, take a huge contract or anything, but 14 million is still a lot of money, you know, and I, I think we've kind of discussed this already, but I, I truly don't think he really earned the 14 million completely still a solid player. And he was a contributor. I'm not going to take that away from him, but to sit here and tell me if he was worth 14 million, I can't really agree to that. And I'm imagining that he's going to want at least, you know, the same uh, same amount of money. And I think he was hoping for, you know, having a multi-year deal. Maybe not a huge, like, uh, you know, four- to five-year deal or anything, but uh, maybe at least a two- to three-year deal. And I, 
I don't think there's a team out there right now that's willing to kind of take that risk uh, with Sue, especially considering uh, he isn't on the same level, or at least he wasn't on the same level as he has been in previous years. Yeah, and it, the rumor is he wants to stay on the West Coast still. Uh, really, the only West Coast team that can give him money is the 49ers right now, and it would not shock me at all if, if they gave him a deal. The Raiders have a little bit of money too, but uh, the Seahawks, the Chargers, two teams that he's been linked to in rumors, they don't really have much to give him. Uh, Seahawks sitting at $11.5 million in cap space, Chargers at 10, 10.2. Not much to go around from those teams. Um, I, I could really see the 49ers. I, the Colts still are still sitting on a ton of cap space. You know, maybe they just give him a big one year deal, uh, maybe even a two year deal. Who knows? But I don't know, man. He, he's obviously someone we should be keeping an eye on as to where he goes because he really, most of the big free agents have signed except him. And I don't know. He, maybe he's not as big of a free agent anymore, but he's still a name. He still carries gravity when he steps on the field. And quite frankly, he was pretty damn good in the playoffs. So, We'll see what happens with Sue. All right, let's get to our next topic. Johnny, We the Rams recently announced that they're going to be playing the Cowboys in Hawaii in the preseason. It's going to be a Rams home game, so the Rams are losing a international game to – are they going back to Mexico City or was it London? Mexico City again, right? Or was that the Chiefs? No, that's the Chiefs. Uh, we're London. heading to London. Okay. Yeah. So Rams playing a regular season game in London, playing a preseason game now in Hawaii. That's two games that season ticket holders aren't getting. Johnny, you know, you've been a season ticket holder in the past at the Coliseum. What are your thoughts on this? Because this is way more of a situation for you than me. Okay, so uh, as, as you mentioned, I, I have been a, a season ticket holder in the past, and there's a couple of reasons why I'm not a season ticket holder this year. And the reason being is, uh, well, for for one reason, I don't know, because um, there's a couple of Sundays that I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make because I'll, I'll be away on either vacation or on business. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to commit to all of that. And for a season ticket holder, especially for the seats that – uh, I'm getting, which isn't, you know, anything, you know, too special. Like the season tickets I'm probably going to get were around the $800 range. That's a, that's a big chunk of change. You know, I, I know Not there's more, sure. expensive, <laughs> it, it, there's more expensive ticket packages out there, but, um, you know, that's still a lot of money. So not only am I not sure if I'm going to be able to make every single game, but I'm also surrendering two games, one preseason game, one home game, uh, regular regular season home game, I'm surrendering two of them unnecessarily, and really it's going to cost the same amount of money as it did when I had more games. So it makes me question as to why. And the final thing, and I know this isn't going to be a very popular thing because for whatever reason there there's like a – there's like a um, sort of cherished love for the L.A. Coliseum. But I freaking hate that stadium. I hate it <laughs> with a passion. And, yes, I realize there's history in the L.A. Coliseum, uh, particularly with the Rams. I understand 
in some ways it's actually nice. I do love the torch. I think the torch is really cool. But everything else about that stadium is god awful. From the way it's laid out, from the awful seats, everything about that stadium sucks. You know, you don't even have a real parking lot per se. There is a parking lot there, but it's not much of one. And uh, it's just, no, I'm sorry. You you could fight me on this. I don't care. I hate the Coliseum, and I, for one, can't wait for the new stadium. I know tickets are going to skyrocket then, but still, uh, at least the new stadium is going to be a lot better. Although I don't know if the parking situation is going to be any better, probably worse, if I'm going to be 100% honest there. But it'll look nicer. It'll be, it'll be much better laid out. And I, I realize that the Coliseum is older, but it still just blows. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and it may also be the fact that I'm a UCLA fan, so I'm kind of in enemy territory too. But um, I I have to say I was one of those people that was hoping that the Rams were going to come back and play at the Rose Bowl because I don't care what anybody says. I've even had SC fans tell me, that they love the Rose Bowl a lot more than the Coliseum. So if you don't like the Rose Bowl more than the Coliseum, you are kidding yourself. I'm just <laughs> saying that. The okay, ra- so rent on that is over. But yeah, that's those are the three three main reasons why I'm I'm not a season ticket holder this year. But I am going to try my damnedest to be a season ticket holder in 2020. Yeah, good luck. Those are. The speeds are definitely going to go up. It's kind of ironic that the Rams left St. Louis. Uh, a big factor was because of the shitty stadium they played in, and they ended up playing in a shittier stadium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's temporary, so I, uh, I it, guess that's... <laughs> it's no disrespect to the Coliseum. It's a historic stadium with a lot of history, but the Rams went from playing in the worst stadium to the league to playing in the worst stadium in the league. And uh, maybe the StubHub Center takes the cake now strictly because of its size that's holding it back. But uh, 2020 can't come soon enough, man. The from I have never been to the Coliseum, so I don't want to. I've never been to the Edward Jones Dome either. I'm just basing this off of what people have said. Uh, it seems like a very old stadium. I like USC personally, so I don't have that part of the argument that you have. But uh, that it's going to be nice when they move into that new stadium. It'll be a little more expensive, but it'll be a worthy cost um we do we should circle back though to the fact that the rams are playing a second game a, uh not at the stadium this time in hawaii i feel like the this is something the team wanted is to play a preseason game in hawaii because come next season i think they're done going to london for a while i think they really only committed to going to london every year because they're playing in the coliseum I think once that new once Stan Kroenke's fancy little toy opens up and the Rams are playing in there, he is not going to be taking away another home game from that stadium to play in London. Which for the Rams, let's be honest, is pretty goddamn far away. I mean, it's normally like Jacksonville is a team going to London every year. The Rams are on the other side of the country. They're about as far away from London as you could get in the NFL. Hawaii, for some teams, is like going to London. It's very far, but for the Rams, it's it's you know there there's not that many teams that are closer to them i guess seattle would be the other one in san fran and oakland but 
I feel like the Rams would love to get a fan base going in Hawaii. I think seeing this Hawaii game, if it goes well this year, which by all accounts in terms of ticket sales, it did. I think they'd like to make this an annual tradition. You know, they're only they're losing a game every year, but it's a preseason game. I, that's not the end of the world. When you're losing a second game, then yeah, it's a big deal. But I think when once they get that eighth home game back, losing a preseason game wouldn't be a huge deal. You know, Johnny, I don't know about you, but I feel like the season ticket holders are the ones that are going to preseason games less often anyways. And I think this would be a nice thing to build a fan base, you know, in, in another spot that's not too far from L.A. In Hawaii, I think would be an awesome thing for the Rams. I think you look at Jacksonville, I think they established a decent fan base in London, oddly enough, because they were going there every year. The Rams, they might be doing the same thing now, but I think Hawaii is a much more desirable market for them. And I think it's easier on the players to be going out there. Um, and I don't know, I like the Hawaii thing, but... It definitely sucks this year because, you know, paying season ticket holders are losing a second game, which is just a pain for them. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset, to be honest, if it was just this one game for preseason game, in which case I would be okay with it. I mean, I wouldn't be jumping for joy for it either, but uh, it, it it would be a lot more acceptable than, you know, having to deal with this plus a regular season game. That's in London. So for me personally, that's that's the main reason why it's upsetting for me. But um, as far as being a season ticket holder uh, and not going to a preseason game, shame on you to season ticket holders because preseason games are important too, damn it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I just think, you know, personally, if I were a season ticket holder, I'd already be going. I'd be trying to go to as many regular season games as possible. Uh, from what I've heard, and I'm sure you could back me up, the Coliseum is very fucking hot. Yes, right. <laughs> so, like, there's like, there's no even question about it. You're sitting there roasting in a sun. It's it's uh, it's a it's literally a circle for the sun. Like the sun, like wants to take a vacation there. Yeah, it, it's it sucks. And the Rams don't play their players in the preseason. So <laughs> I, I really can't fault anyone for not going to these preseason games. Uh, I think that one Raiders game, I think that was this season. We had the Raiders preseason game. That was a big deal. Uh, I'm glad people went to that. But I don't know. When we're not playing the Raiders, uh, maybe it's a little more fun now because you get to see Blake Bortles play. But I'm not going to fault anyone last year for not wanting to sit in 95-degree weather, roasting in the sun, watching Sean Mannion play terrible football. Like, I, <laughs> I, I can't hold that against anybody. I, I just want to hear one time during the preseason, you know, people chanting, boat, boat, <laughs> boat. I can't. I'm so excited for Bortles, man. It's going to be great. All right, let's right. Let's continue on our trek here through – uh, slow news week in the Rams world, but before we get to that, let's talk about some some old news and some some history news. I guess our sponsor Jim Hawk and his book Hollywood's Team: Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Guys, 
This is a great story about if you want to learn more about the Rams history that has a bit of a personal touch. This is a book that tells the story of the 1950s Rams who lends a Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. It's a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to read about Hall of Fame guys and just great players like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Lectures, Tom Fears, Les Richter, even a little bit about Bob Waterfield and Night Train Lane in this story spanning the 1950s LA Rams. This You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodSeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSeam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. The paperback is coming in September, guys. You can also find HollywoodSeam through various other booksellers on the internet. Guys, I'm reading this book now. It's an awesome book. It's worth every penny for Rams fans out there. You're going to learn a ton about the team's history, about the history of sports in L.A., and really, it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. And trust me, guys, you won't regret buying this book, Hollywood Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is worth your time. All right, Johnny, we are going to touch on you know, the Rams have been hosting their official pre-draft visits. I'm just going to let you know the name the prospects for everyone now, and then I'll let you share your thoughts on what we've had so far. So far, players that have had official visits with the Rams in this uh, pre-draft mode virginia safety juan thornhill mississippi state jonathan mississippi state safety jonathan abram maryland safety darnell savage um florida atlantic running back kareth white jr nevada edge rusher malik reed uh, texas a&m center eric mccoy florida atlantic running back devin singletary and charlotte o-lineman nate davis uh let's hear it johnny what do you got okay um so there's quite a few guys on here and I'll just kind of run through them what I think about each one and if I would be interested in drafting them uh personally my favorite one I'm just gonna go start off with the first one Juan Thornhill is my favorite of the bunch I think this is probably the most complete safety in this year's draft and he's one guy that I don't know why he doesn't get the um, the respect he deserves. And I think partially is because he's from Virginia. You know, he's not not a top echelon team on um, this you know past season. But this is definitely a guy that shines. He certainly shined in um, in the combine. He um, he had definitely the, the best combine out of all the safeties, in my opinion. So Juan Thornhill, I know technically we got Eric Weddle. But the thing is, with with Thornhill, this is a guy that you'd be drafting for the future because although Weddle is there, he's not going to be there for years to come. He's only there. He's only here for like a, a rental. So, um, he he could also be a good mentor for Thornhill. So I wouldn't mind the Rams drafting Thornhill at all. Thing is, if the Rams did draft Thornhill, they would have to be at pick 31 and i i don't think i don't think that the rams um are gonna be able to you know rely completely on on thornhill being there at number 31 and on top of that there are other needs for the rams so uh i know this is kind of a this is kind of a an argument that we hear all the time do you draft by need or do you draft by best player available but I wouldn't oppose the idea of the Rams drafting him 
uh, 31 overall. Uh, another safety that we're kind of linked to all the time is Jonathan Abram, uh, the uh, Mississippi State safety. Um, as far as Abram goes, he's he's a top talent also. This is a guy that I think is better suited for strong safety, in which case I think we can go ahead and move uh, John Johnson uh, to free safety, which I don't think is going to be a problem because that's basically what's going to happen this year anyway. They're going to probably move Johnson to free safety, and in my opinion, he's a better free safety than a strong safety anyway. Uh, we we just kind of moved Johnson uh, to strong safety because Joyner was the was the better free safety. Um, but as far as Abram goes, he he's definitely a solid option. I personally would rather have Thornhill over Abram. I know that's not exactly a popular opinion either, but just based on what I've seen in tape and combine results, I think Juan Thornhill is is the the complete package there. But uh, Abram, I wouldn't oppose the, them drafting him either. Again, you have to remember that Weddle is just a rental. Maryland safety Darnell Savage. Uh, I think if you draft him. At pick 31, it would be an extreme reach. At this point, I'm assuming that both Abram and Thornhill are already selected. And I don't know if if Savage would even fall to the third round. If the Rams really did like Savage, they would probably have to trade into the second round to get him. It would kind of stun me, to be honest, to see Savage, you know, drop all the way down to the third round. But that would be the only way I'd be okay with the Rams drafting Savage because, I mean, he's a decent option. He, he's a much better coverage uh, safety than, uh, than you know, tackling safety. So uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I personally don't care for him that much at, at, uh, to, to trade up for him. But, you know, in the third round, I, I wouldn't oppose the idea of, taking him there uh florida atlantic running back kareth white jr i actually have a piece going uh up tomorrow on him i actually like kareth white jr and for a lot of people i know this is going to sound a little weird to be looking at running backs and personally i don't know if selecting a running back is a priority i guess it kind of depends on Gurley's health and i guess Nobody knows better than, you know, the Rams front office. But at the same time, it could be a way to upgrade, you know, the uh, the depth. Because behind him, yes, we have Malcolm Brown back. You have, um, you have John Kelly and then Justin Davis, who I, I don't know if the Rams have a whole lot of faith in Justin Davis. So just in case if Brown or any of them really aren't healthy, you know, you, you have to be confident with, you know, the fourth guy. So, Kirith White, I think, has a lot of potential. Um, I think he did himself a huge disservice for, you know, jumping into this year's draft. He was, he's actually a junior. He's about to become a senior. Uh, or he was going to be a senior. And I, I think he just got too excited to play in the NFL and he jumped in this year's draft. In which case, he, he's probably a day three prospect because he wasn't even uh, the featured starter on, on Florida Atlantic. So I, I don't understand why he joined the draft, but there is still a lot of talent. 
But to kind of put things into perspective on how talented the guy is, there was uh, quite a few scouts on his pro day. I believe 29 teams were there. You know, so it says a lot about him as a prospect. Wasn't they weren't all there just for him, but um, I, there was. He's been gaining a lot of traction as of late, and primarily what you'll see about this guy is he's explosive. He's tremendously quick. He's a guy that can run over you. The only thing is, you you have to remember he didn't play against top talent, which is one of the biggest knocks on the guy. He. Yeah, he hasn't seen elite defenders, so I, I don't know how NFL ready he is, but there is a ton of potential there. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll jump in here, Johnny, so yeah, you can get a little break from your monologue. Uh, I, don't, okay. I don't want to make you go through all eight guys at once. Um, so for our listeners that haven't listened to the show for a while, I know you're not coming here for my prospect takes, and I'm not going to give them to you because, quite frankly, they are not great or don't exist. Uh, I, I've been looking around at some mock drafts and, uh, the one I just read on Walter football actually had the Rams taking a running back in the third round, uh, Benny Smalls out of Kentucky, which was surprising to me. Uh, personally, I, we have a lot of needs and a lot of depth issues on this roster, uh, especially given what's happened in free agency. I do not think we should target a running back in the first two days. Uh, if you're high, you're high on Carrots White. Clearly, that seems like a, he's from what I've read. It seems like a versatile type of back that you could throw in there uh, to spell Gurley and give the offense something different, even something different than Malcolm Brown and C.J. Anderson gave it last year. And I think if you can get that guy on day three, yeah, by all means. But right now we have three picks in the first two days of the draft. Uh, we might, I could see us trading out of one, getting uh, you know a second round pick and maybe some other draft capital, but. We need edge rushers, we need linebackers, we need an in- probably another interior defensive lineman. We definitely need another lineman or two, whether they're going to start or just provide depth behind un you know guys who we're uncertain about. And I think I I was a little surprised that, about the running backs they they brought in really because of the fact that you know we have a lot we have a lot of uh, needs here and. Uh, if you take a running back on day three, yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of times you end up cutting guys on day three. But I don't think that they should target a running back early. And I think even with safety, uh, I know you said you were high on Juan Thornhill, who the mock draft I was looking at, they had him going 33. So you're right. You need to take him at 31. And I think you bring in Weddle with the expectation that you could put off drafting a safety that high for another year. Because odds are you take a guy at 31, he should, you should expect him to be a starter given what the Rams are dealing with right now. Given the fact that they're potentially entering the season with Joseph Noteboom, Brian Allen, Micah Kaiser, and John Franklin Myers all being starters. Uh, guys who were day two and day three draft picks last year. You're taking a guy in day one, he should be a starter. The value we've gotten for day one picks in recent years, you know, we traded up for Jared Goff. We swapped one for Brandon Cooks. Uh, before that, just about every day one pick we've had in the last few years has been starters. Alec Ogletree, Michael Brockers, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald. Uh, Greg Robinson was supposed to be a day one starter, and that didn't turn out. Tavon Austin was kind of a day one starter. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that is what it is. But uh, I, I, even if we think Hornville, Thornhill is that good, 
he's not going to start over John Johnson and um, Eric Weddle this year. And for that reason, you know, we need to either draft a starter with that pick. And if there's not a guy we think can be a starter there, I think you trade back and get some more capital capital in this draft and maybe even next year's draft. But there's my rant, Johnny. You could continue with your, your uh, draft picks here. <laughs> okay. Um, if, if you have a point in there, Steve, that you want to get in there and I'm just, you know, yapping away because, you know, the NFL draft is, uh, you know, basically my Christmas. You know, <laughs> I, I, I freaking love the NFL draft. Um, so, yeah, feel free to, you know, say, Johnny, shut up. But um, oh, keep going. I, I'm here to learn about the draft. That's I've been saying that all draft season. Uh, keep educating me. So um, the next guy is Nevada's edge rusher Malik Reed. And I think, you know, to kind of go on Steve's point a little bit about how the Rams need to kind of focus on starters, even though edge rusher technically they won't be a starter because, you know, we now have Clay Matthews and uh, Dante Fowler, you still have to remember that Clay Matthews is not is not the same Clay Matthews that, that we all have come to know. This is, at best, a situational pass rusher, you know, and for that reason, the Rams still need to look at edge rushers, and that's why you'll still see them evaluating guys like Malik Reed, who I I do like. I think he's... he's uh, He's a talent that is a bit on the underrated side. But edge rusher in particular is an interesting because there there's a there's a lot of talented edge rushers and there's a lot of potential edge rushers. And I feel like that Malik Reed kind of falls in to that category as he has potential. And in which case, I don't know if I want to spend the 31st overall pick, I wouldn't lose sleep over it if the Rams went and rolled the dice with this guy. But I personally would try and get somebody else if it's Malik between Malik Reed and somebody else. Uh, I know for sure he won't be there in round three. I would be shocked if he drops all the way down to round three. But maybe if they are considering, you know, trading up into the second round, I I could see them, you know, looking for a guy like this, in which case I'd be okay with them trading up just depending on what exactly they did to trade up to get him. So Malik Reed is certainly uh, someone that you want to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I, I have to say, though, I don't know if I necessarily want him at pick 31. Uh, hey, just to hop next- in on Malik Reed, he was on Ramsock Radio last week. If you want to hear him get a little more information on him tune into that podcast got got to nice plug, plug. got to plug the shows man got to plug the shows <laughs> it was a it was a good listen though guys so um if if you don't like my opinion on the guy uh why don't you take a look for yourself you know listen to how he how he interviews with our um with our team and see uh see for yourself if you like the guy so next one Eric McCoy uh, Texas A&M center. Uh, you know, Texas, um, with uh, Eric McCoy, he can actually play guard and center. But primarily in this case, I'd want to use him as a center. Uh, this one kind of makes me nervous. So, okay, so you draft Brian Allen last season with the hope that he's going to eventually become your starter. And 
I don't know if, if from what I've heard from reports, the Rams are still very high on Brian Allen and I'm certainly okay with the Rams bringing in competition, but kind of going back to what Steve said, you're, you don't necessarily want a backup center at pick 31. At that point, it becomes very disappointing. Now it doesn't mean that he won't become the starter because, you know, Brian Allen certainly has talent or else the the Rams wouldn't have pursued him last season. But there's a chance that that Brian Allen beats him out for the job, in which case, why do you pick a backup center at pick 31? The only kind of redeeming quality here is he could also be a versatile guy. He could play guard, although I would feel more comfortable with him playing at center. I personally like Eric McCoy, though. I, from, based on what on his tape, I do think that he has a lot more potential than, say, Brian Allen does. But if I'm the Rams, I'm only picking him at pick 31, considering he's still there. I'm only picking him if I absolutely think that this is going to be our guy and a guy that we're going to try and keep on, on the team for years to come. And hopefully he is that guy. I think he can be that guy. So uh, I was happy to see that the Rams did come in for an interview. Um, and hopefully this kind of gave him a better insight on whether or not he's worth to roll the dice on. Next guy is running back Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic. No, this isn't a mistake. This is truly two Florida Atlantic running backs that are in this pre-draft visits here. And and I know it sounds a little weird, but they are that talented that, you know, going back to Kirith White, he was just too talented to keep on the bench. And Singletary has been one of the best running backs in Florida Atlantic history, you know. So I personally like White a little bit better just because he did make some noise off the bench. And that's saying a lot. You know, anytime you could come in and you have that confidence to come in to the NFL draft, even though uh, I I do think it might have been a little bit foolish. I think he should have stayed back at school, uh, played one more season, and get that much better up uh, on draft boards. But I will say that White is a very talented player. And I I like Devin Singletary, but he's kind of uh, I, I would say he's a little more common of a running back. He's a uh, he's a little bit undersized. If memory serves me correctly, I believe he's five foot seven, and he, he's definitely a, a, a speedy back. But personally, I don't I don't think that I I personally I would rather have White over Singletary. That's just my personal opinion on it. But, uh, again, this is a guy that will probably go day two. I'm, I'm imagining. I, I highly doubt he enters in day one. So I'm thinking maybe uh, late third round, maybe he falls into the fourth round. Anything lower than that, I'd be a little shocked. But I can't really see the Rams spending a third or even a fourth round pick for that matter on a running back. It would just, it, it would just kind of mind blown me a little bit. 
wouldn't be the end of the world, but at this point you have a solid, you know, running back depth. I, I don't think you really necessarily need another one unless you're absolutely that concerned about Todd Gurley, but that's another story. Last one, Nate Davis, uh, offensive lineman. I, I kind of like him more as a guard, honestly. Um, he, he could play center also, but Nate Davis is going to be a guy that can go in round two, maybe round three. Uh, anything higher, like uh, like if it would kind of shock me if he becomes a second round pick, but um, I know there are people that kind of like him like a lot, and they might might uh, take a chance at him in in round two. But I think he'd be a solid pickup at round three for the Rams. I I don't know if he'll fall all the way down there, but if he does, I, I I'd be okay with them selecting Nate Davis uh, uh, out of Charlotte. You know, he he's a he's a talented guy. But uh, yeah, I I don't know if there's a whole lot more that I can add to him because he he's the kind of guy that'll secure your blocks, but he doesn't really drive a lot of people back. So that's kind of a concern for me. But other than other than that, I'd be okay with maybe taking a, a risk on him in a third or fourth round pick. All right. Hey, you made it through all of them. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, are you guys still with me? Steve, are you there? Yeah, I I think uh, we we talked to Trevor last week uh, from the Draft Network, and I would love to pick up a good inside linebacker in this draft, and it doesn't seem like there's there's many players out there for us, and you know, no inside linebackers coming in for workouts or for pre-draft meetings right now kind of scares me a little bit. I think we really like really need to add one more, uh, more than we need an edge rusher, more than we need offensive linemen, even though I think I'd love to add both of those. If we go, and I we mentioned the starter thing before, um, I think the difference between safety and edge is Fowler's on a one-year deal. Clay Matthews is on a two-year deal, but as you mentioned, he'd be much better if he didn't have to play every single down, I think. Uh, ideally, he'd be a situational player. They didn't really pay him like a situational player, but I think if we bring in a a you know rookie edge rusher in the first round and he proves his worth, maybe we get a full two years of decent football out of Clay Matthews and this guy, you know, they split time year one and then year two he steps into Fowler's role because I, I don't barring something crazy happening this year, I don't really see how they keep Fowler long term. Um but never say never. They could even franchise tag him next year if he earns that money. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd be okay with the lineman here. But like you said, he would need to think if he if we draft, let's say we draft Eric McCoy and he doesn't beat out Brian Allen, I don't think that's the end of the world because I think that would more than likely say a lot more about Brian Allen and how he's progressed than it would about McCoy. And then you're bringing it, you're at least having some depth on the offensive lineman. I think what really is significant is you have to draft a guy who you think will start for you week one. Like, you draft Derek McCoy, you think he's going to beat the starter. If he gets beat out by Brian Allen in training camp, it's not the end of the world, man. You, you cut your losses with that. You're getting a starter, pretty much, um, at, at least. Whereas, if you take a safety, you know, you're not expecting them. To, you're basically just um, 
you know, pushing the pick back another year. And in that case, there's going to be safeties in the draft next year. I would rather take a chance on a lineman or an edge rusher that you think could be a very important key in year one because you're contending and you need players to produce on their rookie contracts. I've been saying it all summer. Summer. It's not even summer. I've been saying it all uh, off season that you know you need guys on rookie contracts to produce when you're going to be locking in so many guys, and we already have on big contracts. And and just the last thing to touch on running backs a little bit. Um, I, I don't think I, I'm with you. I don't think you take a running back on day one. I think that'd be foolish, or day two even, um, unless there's a guy you really, really like there. But we have a good starter. We have a good backup. Hell, we have a pretty good third stringer in John Kelly if something happens to them. So I, I'm fi- I'm fine with what we have. I, I don't if if Kareth White is there late in the draft, sixth seventh round. Yeah, sure. Take a shot, but uh, day two, I'm not. I'm not touching running back. I don't even think we should consider one unless there's somebody who you really think is good. But there's just that would set off some big alarms about Tigerly's knee if they took running back that early in the draft. Whew, now I'm talking a lot. Um, all right, we were gonna touch on the the happenings in the NFC West, but I think we could wrap it up, Johnny. We've we got a good 50 minutes of podcasting here, and we did some good draft stuff there. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners here? Yes, actually, I have one parting thought. Uh, I, I actually have some breaking news about the AAF. Let's, uh, let's talk about the highlights of today, AAF. What happened? And we're done. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Too soon? Uh, no. <laughs> fix, fix your money situation. Akeep Tlaib, as you pointed out to me today, check out his Twitter at AkeepTlaib21. Tweeted out a picture that said, when I see all these baseball contracts and it's him throwing out what looks to be a first pitch at a Tampa Bay Rays game, which was great. <laughs> I love our cornerbacks. Um, yeah. I think we're good, man. I'm going to WrestleMania this Sunday. I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, so Dude, and you did take me with you? <laughs> you going to fly all the way across the country and buy a ticket for this? It wasn't cheap. I, I imagine it wasn't, but I was hoping you would foot the bill for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. I don't like you that much. I mean, come on. It's like, I like you as a friend, man. I like you as a friend. <laughs> I'm not buying anyone tickets to this thing but by myself, but that'll be fun. May still be a zombie when I record this podcast next week, but I'll hobble into it. Um, all right, man. Uh, don't forget, you guys know, if anyone wants to sponsor our podcast or if you know people that want to sponsor our podcast, please hit us up, ramstalk1945 at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com, ramstalk, slash ramstalk. I mean, uh, guys, honestly, uh, if you have a business or you know someone that has a business that you know their target is football fans and you think they'd be a good fit to sponsor our podcast, it is a good, cheap way to get the word out about your business to you know focus listeners, you know people that are actually tuning into this every week like you, 
and listening to the fine print at the end of the podcast. Now, those are the kind of listeners you're going to be getting if you choose to sponsor. So please hit us up if you're interested. And, of course, you could find Johnny on Twitter at johnny 5 not 6 and me at C. Ribeiro. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify. We'll talk to you next week, guys. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.